And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. With this new job, and I know it's it's no longer really a new job, but so much of our uh, podcast was spent with the old job that I guess technically this is still the new job. How much of your n- new job, being an being a professor of academia, how much of it is bullshit? Um, I would say. <laughs> Um, can I say this on the air? What? Uh, I would say all but three hours a week, uh, 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 six, six hours a week. Everything but the lecture. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. I think that's all well and good. And in fairness, like, I, I think that if my job were to, to the time I was not in lecture, be thinking about lecture and working on better and more coherent ways of delivering information and trying to make it as accessible and efficient of an experience as possible, I don't think that would be would be much bullshit at all. Um, but but that is not how my time outside of lecture is spent. So so okay, yeah. The the especially this time of year, this time in the semester. We are three exams in, and now students have realized, oh, it doesn't seem like I'm going to pass this course. Mm -hmm. And so now a lot of my time is meeting with people Mm -hmm. and them saying, what can I do? And I say, "Uh, you should study more. (laughs) And they say, well, I've been been studying a bunch. And I said, well, well, maybe try, try something different. Because it ain't working for you. I, ch- I mean, I try to be helpful. I do try to be helpful. I would. But... I, I don't mean to be a pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I will mention that on Friday, I did text you to ask how the exam went. And I see that it was read at some point on Friday. How was the exam? And I assumed you were just waiting so you could tell me on the air. It was going to be such an enthralling story. You had to save it for the podcast. Nope. No, I think I probably looked at it. Didn't answer right away because I was probably doing something. And then I never thought about it again, DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. I I owe you an apology I, because your texts do matter. Even those little ones are your little way of saying, hey, I care about you. And my response, if I were to given one, would have been, I care about you also. So it's important for me to be better about communicating with my friends as I realize that is one of the things that I have trouble with. It's not an excuse, but I want to be better. So I apologize, DC I, Matthews. I appreciate it. I am not necessarily great about responding to messages either. And again, to be fair... I also forgot about it until you were talking about the exam. And I went, wait, I asked about this and had to go check on my phone. So I was not up late at night. You know, I was not up in the wee hours of the morning 
pining. I was up in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, I, I will say your message did remind me that I had not yet posted that week's episode of DDT Wrestling. Really. Ah, okay. And so I, that did spur me to do so later in the day on Friday. I, 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 I do something. Or did I forget until Saturday? Did I maybe forget? I again? have stopped checking. I don't even know. I Because honestly, it gets posted when it gets posted. People will be excited to hear it whenever. Um, I... You know, sometimes I remember trying to send you Friday text to kind of be a little like, hey, hey, post the thing. Um, <laughs> but now I'm like, you know what? People will hear it when they hear it. I hear people, you know, we get emails from people saying they're a couple weeks behind and people will catch up when they catch up, of course. Um, but yes, as I was and saying, people will mustard when they mustard. I wasn't there. Pickles when they pickles. I was not uh, awake in the wee hours. Uh thinking about the texts. I was awake in the middle of the night from about two to three 30 this morning, uh, thinking about the utter, uh, bullshit that takes place in my job sometimes. Yeah. Uh, just the, T tell me about it, big boy. The, the initiatives that's the, from something. Is that from Greece? No. Tell me about it. Stud is from Greece. That's, Okay, I'm sorry. Tell me about your initiatives. It's not even that the, the initiatives are particularly important. It is just the every, every year in September, this is the initiative. This is the thing we are going to focus on. This is what matters. This is what is important. We are really going to devote a full effort of the school community in this general area. And we're all like, yeah. And then mid-October. Are you all like, yeah? It, it depends on what it is. Sometimes if the initiative is actually helpful, then yes. Um, this particular year, we weren't because the initiative was stupid. And then, in and then in October, we have a meeting. And we're really excited to talk about this other initiative. And this is really going to be our top priority. And we are going to devote a full effort. And, and, you know, and then everybody's like, but wait. And so somebody, usually me, because I don't care, raises their hand. And I say, but what about X? I thought that was our top priority. And somebody, somebody else jumps in and goes, oh, well, yeah, that's important, too. We're not going to lose sight of that. We're just going to do that. And this. And then, sure enough, January rolls around. We go through this whole rigmarole again. And by the end of the year, there are five initiatives, all of which are supposed to be top priorities, all of which are supposed to demand our full attention. Do, do they realize that the top priority can only be the thing at the top? Do, do they realize that full attention can only be given... To one thing, if it is truly full attention, do they? No. Do they realize you cannot give more than 100% of effort? Oh, dear God, do they not understand? Because mm. they talk about, oh, well, we're going to do this and do this and do this. And somebody will raise their hand. And this, usually I don't ask this question because I know the answer. But somebody will raise their hand and go, when are we supposed to have time to do that? Oh, on your own time. They've thankfully gotten the message that they should stop saying that. 
but they'll say, oh, well, we'll find time. You know, you let us know what time you need and we will make that time available to you. Do we have substitute teachers in our district? No, because we pay a pittance. How much money, Doc Manson, would you require? <laughs> let's, let's, let's make it the most ideal scenario. Somebody wants you to go in and do a lecture in an area that you have some experience with, but it is not necessarily your, you know, it is not your, your primary focus. Hey, can you come in and do an extra three hours of lecture tomorrow? How much money would you, would you hope to get for that? Do I have to talk three hours on that one subject? Yeah. So, so they will provide the slides. They will provide the materials. You just need to do some crowd control to cover the material, to answer questions to the best of your ability. How much money would you need? <laughs> I mean, I'm not getting out of bed for less than $500. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm going to do math in my head. We pay less than 25% of that. Yeah. My, my guess was that you probably paid somewhere in the order of $80 a day. Is that right? I believe it's higher than that. I guess if you but. are a certified teacher, which um, I am not, which you were not, um, you get, I think it's one fifteen or one twenty. now for how many hours of work? Seven. So you're paying me $16 an hour. Yes. If Which I could make at a Walmart. If you're not certified. Yeah. Um, if you're going to come in and be a paraprofessional or a teacher aide or what assistant teacher, whatever the word is that you use in your district, uh, that's $105. So that's I, less? I don't know which one is more offensive that we're offering $105 or we have we have equated a college education to $15 a day. 15 extra dollars a day is what we think a college degree and certification in uh, education is. I mean, yeah. So And like realistically like you're really only paying $15 an hour at that $105 a day figure to those yeah. assistants. Like that's that's literally minimum wage in this state. Yeah. And and we've had this conversation and other people have had this conversation. There is a member of of our board of education who on most things we we are in vehement disagreement in terms of our philosophies and beliefs, but he every month, what are we doing to try to pay these people more to try to get more people to come work for us because there are towns near us who are paying more. I don't know the exact figures. I know it's more because we'll talk to people and they're like, I come work in this school when the other schools don't call. Right. Cause like, I mean, honestly, if you're looking to have any sort, well, well, okay, let's face it. If, if you're working as a substitute teacher, my assumption is you are not working every day. It's an irregular job to begin with. Um, but that means that you would be better off getting a job at minimum wage yes. than taking the occasional substitute teaching job. Yeah, because it comes out to, and again, now that's $600 a week. If you worked five days a week, 
and yeah. you know, for whatever reason, you're a certified teacher. Maybe you don't want um, a year long, year round employment. Maybe you just want to, you know, it's six hundred dollars a week. And again, I come from a very privileged position where I can say that six hundred dollars a week is not a lot of money to some people. Maybe it is. Sure, but I'm just. And again, we got off. Track. And mind you, that's six hundred dollars a week. But you're going to lose 30% in taxes right off the bat. Yeah. So now it's 420. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So it's so again. The 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 administrative rigmarole. At that point you're making just shy of $1700 a month. Yep. So what's that? that 20. That, it doesn't it barely affords rent anywhere. In this state. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has to be a. Never mind utilities and food and necessities. Yeah. Like. Yeah. 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 But it's just a follow up question. Is there a lot of toxic positivity in your job? Define that. Uh, I've heard the term, but how does it manifest in in your circles, I guess. So toxic positivity, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the definition that I Googled. Uh, the pressure to in only display positive emotions, suppressing any negative emotions, feelings, reactions, or experiences. So I will give you my example. Let me open up my, my work email. Every day, uh, we get a memo that sort of goes over here's who here's the staff that is absent. Here's what's going on in the building today. Here's what you need to be aware of. And this, and every morning there's like an inspirational message at the top. Be like a duck paddling and working hard in the water. But what everyone sees is a smiling, calm face. No matter how frantically you're paddling below the surface. Yes. And that's kind of what we've been. That's kind of what we've been told. We understand that things are rough right now. We understand that there are a lot of initiatives. There are a lot of things going on that you need to be doing. But really, you need to come to come in to work every day, happy and ready to work, and be ready to face these challenges head on. I would tell this person to go fuck themselves. That is kind of where where we're going uh my my boss said something i, I won't know remember the specific but it was basically you know i we under i understand that you're not going to be able to do everything you need to do but the important thing is have a grateful attitude go fuck yourself and that's <laughs> that's my it. answer i'm like not let me know what I can do to take some of this off so that you can. No, they're not interested in actually help do your job or do these things. No, we, we can't offer you, you know, anything in the way of additional compensation. I can offer you platitudes. I hope that will suffice. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Here, uh, are, and I, I don't think I encounter quite the same degree of that toxic positivity. The thing I get from all aspects of administration is 
this constant reminder to be compassionate with your students, um, which is all well and good. But like, if you're expecting me to run a class with rules that are consistent for everyone, which you do expect me to do, I, I can't make exceptions for every person in a 500 person class. Mm-hmm. Like I can't appease everyone all of the time. But yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Because then, then you're told to be compassionate. So somebody who comes in and says, I just bombed the third exam. I bombed the second exam. I don't think I'm going to do well on the fourth or fifth exam. What does compassion look like in that instance? Is it, Oh, I'm sorry. That's got to be hard. I mean, for me, the way I manifest it is I say, well, let's talk about what you've been doing so far. How have you been studying? How have you been spending your time? What kinds of topics have you had a special difficulty with? And we have a conversation and we talk it out. But the problem is, well, that's a nice and reasonable response. A conversation like that can take a half hour. Mm Mm-hmm possibly longer if you've got somebody who is really distraught about it. And meanwhile, I've already got my one-on-one office hours booked throughout the day, and I've got three different people now eyeing me from the hallway because I'm 15 minutes behind on my schedule. And you know what I mean? Like, I I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a studying expert. Like, I I have a schedule that I have to stick to to some extent. Yeah. Like, where does the time in my day come from? You say make the time. Where, though? Where is that time coming from? Because last I checked, there's no more hours in the day before that person stopped in my office or after. So at some point, reality hits the road, right? And yeah. it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and you've stumbled onto something else that, you know, even in, even in your job, which is similar yet different from my own, Um, you have to be a psychiatrist. You have to be an expert on study habits. You have to be the sympathetic ear for these adults, but also children to come to you and be, and, and also know there's nothing I'm going to be able to do for you because you can't, you cannot make an exception for any of them because this work happens to be too difficult. You know, I have this conversation and I love them dearly. I have this conversation with my parents when on the rare occasion, they happen to bring up the idea that they are not grandparents. And they're like, don't you miss, you know, don't you think you're missing out? And I'm like, I have 18 children right now. (laughs) I go to work and I am providing it to some degree or another parental care to 18 children, not to mention any other child in other grades that I've been either asked, Oh, you're one of the only man men in the building. This kid needs a positive male role model. Go introduce yourself to this kindergartner or, you know, here's the kid you really helped last year. He'd like to still have you be part of his, you know, day. So, no, I, I have gotten my fill of parenting. Thank you very much. I'm sorry you can't see it. And you're welcome to come to my classroom and see it if you would like. 
But I, mean, I always assume that when they ask you, don't you feel like you're missing out? But they really mean is I feel like I'm missing out. Oh, they are. And 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 I am sorry that that has happened. I am sorry that they were only able to have one child. I am sorry that they were not able to, you know, to have grandchildren at this point. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying never, you know, never say never, quote unquote. But at 40 years old, the odds are probably heavily in the favor of no. Yep, I'm with you. So, and it's this, the last 48 hours, and there are other things that I actually am not comfortable bringing up here in relation to the job, but it is just, it has felt a little more overwhelming in all in terms of that toxic positivity, the, the, the stuff that were the meetings, you know, I've, I've heard this phrase before, but this was exactly what happened today and half an hour meeting that could have been a three paragraph email. Yep. That happens all the time. And I, and I get it. I think that just happens in life, but it's just, it dragged me down a little bit today. But then I came home and I was like, I, my wife was home before me because I had to work late today. I had a lovely dinner waiting for me because she is delightful. Uh, you know, our, our cleaning service was in, so the house looks still lovely. I'm sitting down to talk to a dear friend. Who? I like that you're still looking left and right, left and right. <laughs> um, so the exam went well, though. Yeah, yeah, they went all right. Yeah. How, how did they do compared to the second exam? Uh, much better. Really? This was their highest uh, average thus far. Did you take time to unpack why that is? Or is it the... Yeah. What, what did you determine, detective? Um, well, in their process survey post-exam, they told me that they spent more time studying the material. And so I went on to my fancy LMS and I pulled up my reports and I found uh, supporting evidence that showed that, in fact, they did spend more time with the material. And, oh, look at that. There's a correlation here. And we did get a better average on this exam. That's fantastic. You guys did a good job. You put in the work and you saw some results. So pat yourselves. Do you, on do the you back. like bring in munchkins or something when that happens? Ah, I should have, but I didn't. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. But these days, so many students are vegan or gluten-free. You have to be careful with gestures like that. It's not, it's not like it's the 1980s anymore, you know? I suppose that is true. Plus, would you need to order 500 munchkins? At least. And that's you know, everybody just You know, some them. people's only taking them. Some people are taking more than one. So. Um, I, I love yeah. it when because I do occasionally bring in munchkins because, again, I only have 18 or 20 usually. And I love that I haven't even finished passing out the first one to everyone. And I've got kids asking from behind me. And that's something that just. Can I have another one? Yes. But when do I get a second one? And I turn to them and say, since you asked, you don't. <laughs> and then I go around and make a production of asking everyone else if they would like a second. Do you make sure that person does get a second one? We have to have a conversation about it and they have to prove to me that they understand why they didn't get a second. Mm. And then they get a second one. 
if they can if they can show that they understand that that was probably not the best way to go about it, and we talk about alternatives to do in the future, yeah. then yes, uh, I will right, give okay. them a second. Right. On rare occasion, and not somebody who doesn't necessarily, un, you know, there are those kids who literally don't understand what they did wrong. For those who are in a mood and don't feel like apologizing, I will eat theirs in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, you will. So. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. The other thing I, I did was, because on that process survey, I asked them for a few different questions. And like, I think I covered this last time, but like I did ask them, you know, um, another question was, how difficult did you find the exam? Definitely more people said this was just right in terms of the difficulty setting. Although there were still a significant proportion of people who thought it was somewhat difficult and a smaller but still present um, minority who thought too difficult. And I said, listen, I'm not here to tell you that your perceptions of the exam are incorrect, right? Your perception is valid. For you, the exam was difficult, and that's that's fair, right? Um, but the thing that I'd like you to maybe realize, though, is that this is the highest average that we've had thus far. So while you perceived it as being difficult, it seems that like across the class, people were able to... Um, able to approach this one and do well on it right so just be able to reflect on that and then i also ask them you know how similar was the practice exam to the actual exam and i was really interested in that one because after the second exam i got a bunch of responses that said it wasn't very close at all um i would say something like you know 60 percent said um not a great matchup right and this time I was able to sway that to much more positive. But there was still probably somewhere just shy of 50%, 45, somewhere in there, of folks who were either neutral about the statement, because the statement was the practice exam questions are similar to the exam questions, or disagreed with that statement. So I, so I said to them, so after what I did last time, where I went out of my way to make the practice exam more difficult, I only swayed 19% of you. That's only one out of five, <laughs> right? There's still two out of five that felt that this was not similar. And again, in terms of perceptions, I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong, but I, I don't think you can expect a practice exam any closer than the one that you got for this exam. So I definitely would encourage you to recalibrate your expectations in that case. Um, and just to show this to you, I have here the three most difficult questions on the exam, the three that most that the most people got wrong. And this time, instead of going through and asking, how would you study for this? What I did was I showed them the question and then I showed them the corresponding question on the practice exam that was asking about the exact same concept. Phrased a different way, maybe about a different molecule, but it's on the same topic. And beneath that, I put the bullet point from the study guide where you can clearly see this question is based off of this bullet that I included in the study guide that said that I, that I said you should know, right? And then I did that for the second question, and I did it for the third question, and I said, so... And, you know, and I'm, as I go through this, I'm talking through how would you solve this question, right? Okay, so on the exam, admittedly, this is a more complex question than the one on the practice exam. 
But look at this. This whole question, it's an inference question, but it hinges on knowing that this enzyme is involved in the termination of the pathway, right? And so we have to figure out that since this is involved in the termination of the pathway, if we inhibit this enzyme, that means the pathway can't be terminated. So the right answer is this pathway will be upregulated. We'll see more activity because we can't turn it off, right? So that's a little bit more involved. There is some inference that you have to do. But if we look at the practice exam, here's the corresponding question where I literally asked you, what is the function of this enzyme? See, it, the question I asked you on the exam is more complex, but the crux of it is that you have to know what this enzyme does. And so on the practice exam, I was trying to lead you to think about what does this enzyme do so that way when you finish the practice exam, you could walk away from that and hopefully know that this was what this enzyme's activity was so that way when you that way I was priming you for when you saw it on the exam to be more likely that you'd be able to answer this question that requires an additional step of inference right and so forth and so I said at the end of that I was like so I hope that the point of this was not to show you ha ha I did make it similar blah 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 right the point of it is for you to see the ways in which I think the questions on the practice exam are similar to the ones on the exam. So hopefully the next time you look at one of my practice exams, you will be thinking about how I might take those same concepts and apply them to different questions on the next exam. Hopefully this will prime you to be thinking about it more robustly and you can better anticipate what the actual exam might look like if you have a better idea of what my intentions were. Um, and it seemed well received, but again, huge amounts of praise for the amount of work you do. Cause you could have just said, Oh, good. The scores went up. You're clearly paying attention. Good. Cause we're going to ramp it up for exam number four. Right. I don't know. I just like to think that some of them are listening. Some of them are trying to improve. And if I can be as transparent as possible, I'm not giving them the answers to anything, but if I can help them better anticipate what my exam might look like, hopefully they'll, they'll do better. And hopefully they will have learned something about mm -hmm. themselves and about learning that hopefully they can apply in their other courses. I was going to say the 19% makes sense because I do think if I, and again, taking my college experience and comparing it to what I know about your college experience, I don't believe I ever sat in a college class saying, I'm going to figure out how to make myself better at learning, which was my fault. Well, I don't know that I ever did that either, at least not in my undergraduate career. Sure. Sure. But, you know, but again, I think, a lot of college yeah. students, and again, we've talked about this a hundred times, the, the sort of ridiculousness of how higher education works is we're taking these, you know, what would you say is the average age of your students? 20, 21? Yeah, probably 20 or 21. Yeah. Are their brains fully developed yet? Probably not. No. Are, um, you know. Have they been in many cases 
only out of the house for a couple of years? Do they possibly have um, other things besides their brains? And Uh, honestly, these days, um, students are less and less independent. Um, Like they're they're going home more on weekends. There's more of a connection with the parents, mm -hmm. checking in and all that sort of thing. Or at least that's the perception that I have. Um, just from interacting with people, that could just be old man get off my lawn syndrome rearing its head. But I feel like it's true. No, I would I would assume post COVID, especially, I I would think there is a little bit more of that sort of homebodies. Again, it's very small sample size, but of the people I work with whose children are college age. Um, most of them, like Boston is as far as I think they've gone. I have multiple who are, you know, they're still living at home. They're either going to school or in one case, they're not going to school. They're, you know, they have a job, but they're living at home. They seem happy living at home. The parents are happy having them home. You know, I, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's something else, but I just feel like it's a little, it's different. Yeah, you know, for sure. that I had no, there was no conversation that I can recall um, about me ever staying at home. And I knew I wanted to go to school 20, 25 minutes away. I could have lived home, saved a bunch of money, but it was not an option in my head and it was not an option in the head of my parents. I was getting out. And they wanted you out. Yeah. But in or, fairness, or, or they I, didn't, or they didn't. You in that. They didn't necessarily want me out. They wanted me to get the experience of being out. I think my mom would have loved to keep me home. Sure. Um, I think my the champ understood that we would have killed each other if I stayed in that house <laughs> any longer than I did. Yeah. Um, but they wanted me out to have that sort of experience. And I was like, oh, no. What? I can live elsewhere? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the thing is, I think my approach to it is I try to present them with the same information that I wish I had been presented with when I was younger. I don't know that I could have appreciated it when I was younger. I might have sat there and stared at my professor and said, Oh boy, what a bag full of hot air this guy is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would have been able to reflect enough to listen and incorporate it. Um, but again, I hope that at least some of the members of my audience are capable of processing it that way, although I suspect others are not. It is what it is. Uh, even even teaching the young the littles as I do, I do understand that I am aiming for you know, I would, I hope is the majority, but may not like my lesson may resonate, especially if I'm doing anything social, emotional in nature, this may resonate with five out of the 18 of you. And I'm okay with that today. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You kind of so, have to be. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, I, I, ha- there is a wrestling news item I would like to discuss with you. How goes, but before we get to that, how goes the Halloween prep? I'm almost started. (laughs) 
All right, fair I, enough. I, I got plugged in about the, a week. the new lights I got, and I've got them synced to my phone. So, I, but I haven't put anything in the windows. But I think that'll all happen this weekend. So, on our way, on our way. Well, and again, you got about a week or so. Oh yeah, no, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. Uh, the big wrestling news uh, of the week that I can think of. Um, is the fact that uh, the icon Sting has announced that he will be retiring within, I believe he said, the next 12 months. And so I wanted to know your perspective as a WWF guy. What do you think of the career of Sting? And you may have seen him more in TNA than I did. Um but what are your thoughts on uh, the man called Sting? I think he's had a good career. I think he's been a key player for a lot of different companies. Um, but if I had to sum up the career in a very unflattering way, it might be big fish in a series of little ponds. Okay. I never really got, don't get me wrong, I did get him in the WWF. I did get to see him at <laughs> WrestleMania. Yes. Wearing Not the red the coat like he's lights. the ringleader of the greatest showman or something like that. Yeah. You know, with the drums. I think that was the same year that they did the Terminator entrance for. Correct. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, but like he, he, Sting could have been a much bigger deal in the WWF if he had ever been brought in as an opponent for The Undertaker. I think that would have made a lot of sense and could have really worked to cement him with that audience. But instead, that didn't really happen. He was just a guy who we were supposed to know was a big deal. And he had a, a, a admittedly a big match, but it, you know, I, I don't know that anybody would really remember Sting's run in the WWE other than it was ended by a buckle bomb. You, you know what I mean? You know, Seth Rollins, you son of a bitch. Like, I don't know. Um, obviously huge in WCW. I love back when I was a kid, I saw trading cards of, of beach, Sting, mm-hmm. that whole thing. So I've got that ingrained in my mind. But at the same time, I feel like that was such a small part of his career, although it might have been a huge part of it. Because then he did, you know, the the crow version of this of the character. Correct. And that's the thing that I feel like really got people's imaginations. That's the thing that I feel like was um echoed with his sort of crow joker character in tna slash impact and which i feel like he's still sort of resonating now in aew um with the bat and the trench coat and all that stuff so i don't know like he always seemed like a guy that i knew was supposed to be huge but i don't really have any major touchstone Mm -hmm. to really appreciate it um i will say He seemed like he did a great job in TNA. That was a time at which he was still capable of going in the ring. He had some great matches. He did some crazy stunts. And it seemed like he was a real big guy. 
but it was just at the end of the day, it was it was just TNA. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's interesting, you know. I am. I'll I'll talk about this a little bit later in the show. Um, but I've been spending more time in a certain, you know, in a certain time period and watching sort of the older stuff. Um, and you know, he was a big, he was of course the big deal. He was, you know, the bleach blonde face painted, you know, they were the blade runners. Ultimate warrior went to WWF sting went to WCW, um, was obviously the next big thing. I do think he benefited from the fact that Ric Flair left. Yeah. You know, he became it became Sting in a very similar way to The Undertaker. It became Sting and his Rogues Gallery. Um Cactus Jack, Abdullah the Butcher, Ravishing Rick Rude, the list goes on and on. Because Ric Flair was gone, Hogan wasn't there yet. Even in the early early 90s, Vader wasn't there yet. So it was kind of Sting and Friends, and I apologize to those old-school WCW fans who may be yelling at the uh, podcast right now because they disagree, but that's how it was perceived to me. Um, the Crow gimmick was great. The, it, it was fantastic. It was captivating. They absolutely screwed up the ending, um, which it was WCW. That's kind of what you do. Um, and I know that, you know, he was, I think, smart enough to know. He, I know he had a conversation with Vince McMahon, or at least he's talked about it in interviews before, um, about coming to WWF after uh, WCW was bought out. And he just had the sense that all of the WCW guys were not necessarily going to get a big... It was not going to be a big thing because, of he course, was w- right about that, the WWF guys had to win. And I know he talked about, you know, Booker T comes out to confront the rock or they come face to face. And the rock just says, who in the blue hell are you? And Sting was like, automatically, I knew like the rock should know who Booker T is. And I knew there was no point. And he was smart. You know, he went to TNA, absolutely big fish in a small pond there. Um and mind you, I feel like that was years later, wasn't it? Wasn't- he showed up in the early days. I've seen him a couple of times watching the, I just finished the weekly pay-per-view era. So I'm in like fall of 2004. Okay. Um, we're gearing up for Victory Road and the birth of the TNA pay-per-views. Um, and he's shown up a, like three or four times. He's wrestled Jeff Jarrett, uh, but he's not, a full, okay. he's not a full-time guy until much later and that and i missed that i like i missed the entire joker sting it's one of the things i'm excited to eventually getting to is is checking that era out um speaking of that's the other big news i forgot about uh impact wrestling is now going to go back to being tna they are no longer impact they are back to being total nonstop action the name is not the problem. <laughs> and if anything, like I can understand wanting to return to TNA because that's the roots of the company, baby. But if anything, I still think that name is more problematic than it is worth. I think actually changing to Impact was a smart move 
And I don't see the benefit mm -hmm. to this company to returning to the name TNA. I don't, it might be Glenn. I'm not sure. I know that there are people who are high on the product going over there and whatever their name is going to be. Um, you know, your Alex Shelley's still a big part. Chris Sabin's still a big part. Uh, I like very much this guy, Josh Alexander, who's been their world champion before. Um, you have PCO, although I know he's on his way out. Um, you know, I've heard good things about what TNA is doing now. Trinity, a.k.a. Naomi, is is kind of spearheading their women's division and good for them and her and everything. Uh, I can have not yet brought myself to try to watch the current product, but, um, you know, I, I want it to be successful. Do you think the name was the problem? No. Do you think they benefit from returning to their roots with the name? I think there is a small subset of fans uh -huh. who will be in, you know, are they going to go back to the six-sided ring? Is that how we're doing it? Because, no again, thanks. that's, you know, if we're going back to a six, I think there are people who will go back in with the name change to try to, but again, you don't have Bobby Roode, and you wouldn't want him at this point anyways because I believe he's done as an in-ring competitor. I think that's what I saw. He's now just a producer for Why? WWE. I think he has a neck injury. Oh, okay. So maybe at some bad. point he maybe at some point he will return, but at the moment I don't believe he's he's a featured player. Um I, you don't have AJ Styles. I was about you don't, to say, I haven't thought about the name AJ Styles in quite some time. Obviously, he is a cornerstone that you would want to have in place if you were really returning to the roots of TNA. He yeah. was the lifeblood of that company. But well, that said, it suddenly occurred to me. What the fuck has AJ Styles been doing for the last four years? Because I don't think I've heard anything about him at all. He is on SmackDown. He's still with Gallows and Anderson and Mia Yim. I believe they are a stable. Um, I, I could not tell you anything of interest that he is doing. I think he has said, if I remember correctly, that he is also probably going to be done as a full-time wrestler in the next probably year or two. I feel like I he has said that for the last 10 years, though. It could be. Yeah. But yeah, you don't have Styles. Samoa Joe's in AEW. Christopher Daniels is in AEW. Kazarian? He, Kazarian is in TNA. He left AEW and went oh, back to TNA. So right. you've got Kazarian. You've got the Motor City Machine Guns. Sanjay Dutt? I think he's with AEW. Hmm. Jay Lethal's with AEW. Hmm. You know, like you're American. Have Bully Ray? Yes. Really? Yes, they have Bully Ray. I'm Let not me look sure up I consider that a positive at this point. <laughs> Let me look up the. I liked the Bully Ray shtick. I I did think he. I've always thought he's a very effective heel. Yes. But mm, I don't know. Still. Let's let me look at. I always love this game. Here are the. Uh, results of the most recent pay-per-view that took place last weekend, Bound for Glory. Um, I'll skip... Well, no. You you know some of these names. Uh, 
in the dark Johnny match. Johnny Dreamer? <laughs> okay, so. I just looked at their wrestlers page. <laughs> I will Look, say this, this is, is the not most... a kind thing for me to say. <laughs> but Tommy Dreamer ate Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> All right. What so the fuck? We've got Chris Sabin defeated. How old is Tommy Dreamer? 102. Let me get this card out. Are you, you are not going to pay. Are, under his eyes are immense, immense. He's fifty-two. I looked it up, so I was, I was, you know. Close. I love Tommy Dreamer. All right, Chris well, Sabin. That's before he got canceled. Can I still say I love Tommy Dreamer? You can do whatever you want. I haven't seen him in a long time. I don't know if I still love him. Okay, he's a problematic individual. Welcome to wrestling. True. What were you trying to say? I was trying to go through the card. Who the heck is this ABC people? (laughs) Ace Uh, Austin and Chris Bay. Yes, they're they're an offshoot of the Bullet Club. That's what the BC stands for. I don't know what the A stands for. Oh. (laughs) Oh, Bullet Club. I'm sorry. You were saying BC. I I promise I won't interrupt you this time. (laughs) I'm going to buy you the book, Interrupting Chicken. (laughs) Uh, Chris Sabin defeated Kenta. So Hideo Kick Tommy was part of this pay-per-view. He's still wrestling? He is. Does he wrestle regularly for it? I don't believe so. I think he's... uh, PCO defeated Moose. Speaking of problematic individuals. Very problematic, but always a decent in-ring performer. Rhino... Really? And Steve Macklin. Who the who hell is was, this PCO guy? He looks like Frankenstein's monster. Um, he's one half of the Quebecers. Really? Pierre. Pierre, aka Jean Pierre Lafitte. I'm assuming he did not have the tattoo. You would love if you were to watch PC. You would love PCO. Because he looks like Frankenstein's monster and he wrestles like Frankenstein's monster. Like he's he's throwing people through tables. He's hit like Rhino he, uh, looks exactly the same as he looked 15 years ago. Correct. That's amazing. I'm looking through this roster though. And Rich Swan is here. Yeah. <laughs> and Tommy Dreamer is here. And are you Moose detecting it here? Are you detecting a trend? And I'm Bully Ray, some problems. Yeah. Kushida, by the way, is this a thing now? Is he just dressing like Marty McFly? That's always been his thing. <laughs> I don't know who this is then, and I like him. Yeah, he comes out with the bubble vest and the glasses. Yeah. Jonathan Gresham. That's unfortunate. That's what I'm saying. I don't know anything about Jonathan Gresham other than he came across like a tantruming toddler coming out of whatever happened with Ring of Honor and AEW. I think that's all you need to know. Like. Heath Slater. (laughs) (laughs) Just going by the name Heath. Yeah. Eric Young's back in that company. Uh, Zach Ryder. I love Eric Young. Zach Ryder's there. I don't know. Zach Ryder. What's his name now? 
Matt Cardona. Yeah, I knew that. He and Brian Meyer. Like death matches and shit on the independent scene, right? Yes. Is he good now? Uh, I've always probably, had the I don't know. He's not on the roster, though. They have a lot of people that are only like, that are like casual. They show up sometimes. Oh, I'm seeing the Tommy Dreamer picture. <laughs> right? It's not a good picture, Tommy. It is. It is not. It is not. Click through to see the banner picture at the top. I think you'd like Black Taurus. I've only oh, seen yeah, him. Oh, yeah. Mantar looks great. <laughs> Mantar looks like he hasn't aged a day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Fandango. Did you see? Did you see Fandango? No. Dirty Dango. Where? That's what he goes. Where? <gasps> there he is. Who's the deaner? Got, I don't know. His signature got, move is the deaner DDT. You got Gail Kim. Is she still wrestle don't, or is she? Uh, to no, I think she's more just like. I'm just saying she's kind of old at this point. But I, I guess she's not that old. Like, she's no older than your Lita's or your Trish Stratus's, right? I always had yeah. the impression that she was a generation maybe older than that, but not really, right? You've got Jessica, who was Havoc at Havoc? one point. I, I didn't know if you remembered Havoc. Uh, Leo Rush is there. Isn't he problematic? Again, you're detecting a trend. Uh Vladimir Kozlov is there. Santino's there. Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Oleg Prudius. <gasps> he looks great. <laughs> is that Widow's Peak? He looks so serious. He looks like he's the villain in a John Wick movie. And he's aligned himself with Dirty Dango and Alpha Bravo. This sentence just reads like a Bond film. <laughs> yep. There's Santino, who's the director of authority or something. You've got Subculture from NXT UK. Who is that? Uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Again, we would have seen them in like a UK tournament if you watched. All right. Uh, you've got I've the heard other. That a lot of the booking in TNA is being handled by Scott. The Demore, yes, who, who was, if I recall, when we watched the head of Keat Team Canada, correct. I just watched him wrestle Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, he had a he had a sweet robe. Uh, you also have the other half of um, what was there called MSK? There was that tag team that was in TNA. Then they went to NXT, and then one of them got canceled, so he got fired. And now Wes Lee is in NXT, and this guy came back to. Um, yeah, there's a lot of problematic individuals in TNA, which I will say kind of makes me glad I'm not catching up on the product as much as I would love to try to see what in the world they're doing with Heath or one half of the Ascension. I just found him. He's there. Crazy Steve is still a thing. Johnny Swinger is still a thing. And Johnny Swinger wrestled in WCW in the late 90s. Crazy Steve. What was the name of that? Um, decay, decay, with decay was decent because that was what with him and uh Rosemary, and there was another guy, but Abyss, right? It might have been at first. I, I think maybe they switched him out eventually. But is Rosemary still around anywhere? Oh, yeah, she's on the roster too. Okay, 
I liked Rosemary. I always liked Rosemary. Yeah, I mean, maybe I should check out some TNA. You know? It's it's an option. I do have Impact Plus. So, like, I watch the old stuff. Does it have the new so, stuff? Again, the pay-per-views you have to buy on Fight TV or Bleacher Report or whatever, but, like, they have the weekly programming. How so I could, delayed I could is the you. weekly programming? I don't know. I, I I don't know that it's on. Does it? Ha, is it on TV? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Like, know. do they have a TV deal? I, I assume. Last I heard, they were on AXS, which I guess is a channel people have. But all right, fair. Is is the episode title "Tommy Dreamer Eight Tommy Dreamer" more or less offensive than "Mormon Under Roost"? Depends on the audience, um, but it's pretty offensive. Okay. Well, that was fun. I wasn't expecting that, but would it be less I, offensive if I had said Tommy Dreaver ate Eddie Kingston? Probably. <laughs> but uh I will say that's the most excited I've probably heard you talk about wrestling in quite a while. So that's eh, a nostalgia trip, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our emails podcast at ddtwrestling.com. I see five. I don't know how many you see. Our first one is from Mrs. Manson entitled Dreidel Knight. Greeting, gentleman. I I mean, normally you read the ones from Mrs. Manson. I was listening to the potato talk on the latest episode of DDT and heard Doc extend an invite to the manor for latkes. It reminded... Okay, what is going on with your wife's email? It reminded of the dreidel nights I'd host in my college dorm room. Lots of my friends didn't know much about Hanukkah, so I was happy to share a little bit about my culture with others. And it was a good excuse to have a party, of course. I'd acquire the 62-ounce container of M&Ms and a bunch of dreidels and dining hall trays and would teach anyone who wanted to learn how to play dreidel. A good time was had by all. Sadly, I couldn't make latkes in my dorm room, but would love to have you and the missus and any of the other besties who can make it to the manor over for a new and improved dreidel night this year with less booze, probably, and more latkes. Hanukkah begins December 7th this year. Let's make some plans. Um, I don't know. I See, I want to say Chang, but that can't be how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh I'm going to see if I can hung hung yeah. so much. Happy holiday. <laughs> well, now I'm just curious if they, how to say it. Oh, I don't want to watch a YouTube video. Oh, well, the, the, the Hebrew for happy holiday, Mrs. M. I, I enjoy dreidel. I enjoy latkes and I enjoy you and your wife. And I would bring I would bring the pho. Can you eat latkes and pho at the same time? Can we have fusion? I mean, I I don't see why not. Excellent. Uh, Brandon Banks chimes in with Halloween week. Well, Halloween is technically next week, but this is the last episode before. I'm sure over the years this has been asked and probably more than once, but I don't remember. So what were each of your favorite Halloween costumes? 
Mine is a toss-up between Lion O and Jesse Ventura, both handmade by my, my, by my mother when I was a kid. Hope you have a frightening good time celebrating the holiday sent from my spooky iPhone. Snarf, snarf, snarf. Jesse Ven- I want to see a picture of Banks dressed as Jesse Ventura. I think it'd be fantastic. And I want to see it now. Like, I want him to break it out now. Um, I was uh, Commander William Riker of the Star Trek Enterprise. I believe that is my favorite <laughs> costume. All right. Yeah. So, what about you? Um, I definitely had a year where I went as a Ghostbuster, where, like, I had the, uh, the jumpsuit, probably, like, a plastic thing from you know, the local CVS pharmacy or something. But then I also had like a lot of the toys. So, like I actually had like the, the proton pack that you could wear. And so I definitely had that on as well. And I think that was probably my highlight. Always a big door. I feel like I had one of the traps, but because I hadn't watched the movie, I didn't know what it was supposed to do. <laughs> that sounds like you. Yeah. There weren't enough outlets in the house for a VCR. So you couldn't possibly have watched mm-hmm. I, I did, you know, this year I did ask my kids to write some suggestions for Halloween costumes, and I did have a kid suggest being a Ghostbuster. Well, I mean, there was that recent Afterlife movie, and I think there's a sequel to that coming out this December. Or maybe it got pushed, but there's another one coming out soon. So, you okay, know, Ghostbusters are a thing with Paul Rudd and all the Walmart advertisement you could hope for. Mm-hmm. Danielle chimes in, World Series. Hello, we've got the World Series going on starting Friday. Doc, who is playing? Wrong answers only. Hee hee. Um, I'm going to say uh, the Japanese Gojiras <laughs> versus uh, the American Pies. It's the World Series, so I assume different uh, countries are playing each other. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so America versus Japan. That's my that's my guess. I know baseball's big in both of those countries mm-hmm. and almost nowhere else. So Well, you're you're pretty close because you know the go are the Gojiras Gojiras, Gojiras, are they lizards technically? Absolutely. All right. And are snakes lizards? Yeah. Because the Arizona Diamondbacks, which would be a snake, which is kind of like a lizard, they're one team that's playing. Uh huh. Uh huh. And people really love their American Pie in Texas, home of the Texas Rangers, uh-huh. who are also uh-huh. playing. So you, I think, I give you full marks. How, how is this a World Series if there's only states playing against each other? Great question. Technically, if if the Toronto Blue Jays had made it, um, then it would be international. But that is, I believe, the only. Currently, that is the only baseball team not in America. Do you have any idea? Because I know baseball is popular in Japan. Do they have a large league there? Are there many teams? Yes. Yeah. Because every so often, one of the players decides to come to America, and there's a big bidding war. You have to you have to offer money to the team that is is you know sort of controlling that player. You have to give them money just to be allowed to talk to the player to see if the player would accept more money to come play in America. I see. All right. Um, so this week I bought a video game for $3. Thank you. 
that was originally $20. Arkham Horror is based on the board game. Lucas hasn't ever played the board game, but he's enjoying the video game. Yeah, I, don't I think did I'm not know familiar. that was a video or a board game. Any new games or movies y'all are watching this week? Candy Corn, National Apple Day, and various holidays are this week. Any fun plans for the weekend? Cheers, Danielle. Happy National Danielle Day to me. Large grin teeth emoji. Does that mean it's her birthday? I don't know. Or is it just, is it really National Danielle Day? I Are there national name days? I don't know. Um, any new games? No, there are no games. Uh, my wife and I have a plan for Friday after the latest episode of The Bake Off. We will be watching, is it Lessons in Chemistry on Apple Plus, which is a Brie Larson either movie or show. We're not sure yet, but we're going to check that out. What, what have you been doing for Shocktober? Anything for Shocktober? Um, nothing huge, but I have been trying to make an effort to more occasionally watch a horror movie um, during this month. So, yeah, I've watched a, a few different things. I watched on Hulu. There was an original film called No One Will Save You, um, which was quite good. Um, it was basically a horror movie about, a, I don't think it's really a spoiler because it's all in the trailers, but it's about an alien invasion, essentially. Um, so it's got a lot of like your classical gray alien tropes, you know, the big sort of tall, um, big headed, big eyes, uh, telekinesis sort of stuff. But I will say they have a lot of fun with it. It goes a lot of different places. Um, they keep it fresh somehow, despite the fact they're hitting a bunch of tropes, like they manage to make it interesting. I think the thing I realized watching it is there aren't a lot of good alien movies. I mean, obviously there's like the alien series, but those are different. Those aren't gray aliens. It's not your traditional folkloric aliens that kind of get tossed around. I think in just like the, the, in the conspiracy theories of this country. So it was kind of actually refreshing to see a movie tapping into all of that stuff and actually doing it with a decent budget with lots of special effects and getting them on the screen and doing cool stuff. So like, yeah, I don't know if I've ever quite seen a movie like that. It might be the best realized alien movie I've really ever seen in a lot of ways. Um, hey. The other thing that I really liked about it too, is it's mostly about this um, one um, character, the, the protagonist is, this, I don't know, 20-something woman who lives alone in this house. And as a result, there's almost no dialogue in this film. There's maybe four lines of dialogue in the entire film. It very much reminded me of like the first 45 minutes of Wally, -E, And I, that is probably the first 45 minutes of Wally -E are probably my favorite science fiction film of all time. So like this really was pulling on all the right strings for me as well. Because um, even the dialogue that's there is really almost incidental. It's not even like exposition or anything serious. It's just a couple of lines that happen to get said out loud, you know? Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. I watched The Barn and The Barn 2. Um, these are more recent films that were made to look like they were made during the 80s. Um, basically about this haunted barn where these three demons come back on Halloween. One of them's a miner. One of them's a scarecrow that has like candy corn for teeth. And another one is basically a jack-o'-lantern. 
And again, they're pretty low budget. They're not great. The acting is not fantastic, particularly in the first one. Um, but the special effects were actually pretty good. They clearly put a lot of effort into their practical effects. And, you know, they weren't good, but they were fun. They were really fun. And the other thing that was really interesting about it, too, the first one, to a lesser extent, but still, but more so the second one, they had, for somehow, this little no-budget film and its sequel. Somehow they got a bunch of what I would consider big names to be in the film. Um, The first one had, um, I'm forgetting his name. It's like Ari Lehman or something like that. I think that's his name, Ari Lehman or Layman, he's the guy who played the original Jason in Friday the 13th. So in the original Friday the 13th, Jason's not really in it. Just at the very end of the movie, there's a stinger where uh, a boy, a young boy in that sort of mongoloid makeup is what they call it. Um, You know, he's really, I don't know if that's PC these days, but that's how it's always described. And when he's talking about the backstage stuff, it's really just a deformed person, right? pops out of the lake as like a last scare and kind of grabs somebody down, pulls the canoe over. Um, Ari Lehman is the guy who played that Jason at the end of the first film. So he's barely in it at all. Um, but he shows up in this film as a, as a, just a side character briefly in the first one. And uh, genre favorite, my favorite, uh, Linnea Quigley also in the first film. And she's also, and both of them, Ari and, um, uh, Linnea both show up in the sequel. Uh, the sequel also has Douglas Bradley, who you might know as Pinhead, and also has wow. um, also has Joe Bob Briggs and Male Girl Darcy showing up in various roles. And that's really the reason why I watched these movies because I knew the two of them were in the second one. And I said, well, I've, I've got to watch the first one if I'm going to watch the second one. Oh, and the second one also has Lloyd Kaufman in it. Lloyd Kaufman is the head founder of Troma Films, that real low-budget nothing company, and he's always a really fun character actor. Yeah, he he's you know he has this voice. He sounds very much like Mel Brooks, and he's he's always very energetic, and so he's always a lot of fun to watch. Merchandise, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they actually had some like cool cameos in this thing. I don't know how they did it. And again, the second one definitely ramped it up in terms of uh, the special effects. Again, I won't say that they were all great, but they were all practical and they were all fun. And like just to see, you don't see that very often, especially not in these smaller budget films. Most things now are just digital CGI spray for something that you barely see or it happens off camera. So like to actually put some craft into a film made me appreciate it. Although, you know, we're not talking much more than like two or three stars on a five-star scale. They still weren't greatly executed or anything. As long as you had a good time. Exactly. That's all that matters. Exactly. I I think they were fun overall. So there were those films. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting other stuff as well. Although I did recently see another horror movie, but maybe I'll save that for later. Okay. Uh, Our next email comes from Nate this week in my boring life. Good afternoon, DC and Doc. Since I work at 2.30 in the afternoon, I usually end up getting out of bed at 11. And by the time I'm ready to do anything, it's time for work, which means work and sleep with some TV watching when I get home is my life four days a week. But I'm okay with that. 
As we're getting into winter, there's not much to do anyways. Sadly, there is snow projected for the weekend. Ugh. It won't stay, but still makes me sad. My mom had her surgery last Monday and is doing better. She got her drains removed today, and radiation will be starting in the next few weeks. Her right arm is really sore and movement is limited, but it's gotten better, so that's my weekly update. Question time. What are your three favorite kinds of pie? Well, how did he know that we were going to be talking about the American pies? Three favorite pies. Doc, go. Um, probably strawberry rhubarb, pumpkin, and pecan. I was going to figure the last two. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, we have talked about pumpkin and pecan pie. I think strawberry rhubarb is probably my favorite pie. Um, but honorable mentions to apple pies, because I do greatly enjoy an apple pie, and the key lime pie. So, you know, I'm a man of pies. And we have a would special you, would you guest say, coming into the room. Mrs. Manson da, with Lenny. Da, 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 da. I've been told that he has a tick on his head. So I'm going to attempt to extract this thing uh, while we are live on the air. So feel free okay. to Why is, oh, I assume you can't hold him and extract the tick. He's very uh, wiggly and we've never done this before. Okay. So they're going to do a little bit of surgery, which I get a front row seat to see. Although he's being very calm right now, I will say. He's keeping his head down, All coming dead. in for kisses. Um, my three favorite kinds of pie. Uh, lemon meringue, I think, is up there. Uh, a chocolate cream pie, I would say, is up there. And then... Not into pumpkin, not into pecan. An apple pie is good. Uh, maybe a chocolate silk pie rather than the chocolate cream pie if I had my druthers. Uh, the surgery is still happening. Doc keeps going back for more. Uh, uh, so let's say, um, let's do a triple berry because I know that's popular among multiple members of my family. Uh, and then let's continue with the email here. Uh, what is your comfort homemade meal? My wife makes a delightful, delicious, and lovely uh, macaroni and cheese. I have learned, besties. Let me let me let me preach on this for a while. Um, I have, you know, I, I have issues with lactose, so I have my lactate dairy pill type thing, um, and it's still, you know, I take one. Maybe two, depending on if I'm eating a substantial amount of dairy. And it's, you know, I still find it's not entirely pleasant. So I was excited for this mac and cheese that my wife made. And I decided I'm going to take three tablets with my small little ramekin of mac and cheese. And wouldn't you know it, no issues. So maybe my problem is that I just haven't been having enough of this lactic enzyme in my body. So... I have been scarfing down macaroni and cheese. Not a lot. I'm still trying to be conservative with the amounts, but I am finding that to be lovely and, and good. The one I make, um, I make something called a chicken ragu. Okay, now Doc's gone. 
Hi, Mrs. Manson. You can't hear me, Hi, but I'll I wave to you. I can hear you a little bit. You can hear me a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so, so latkes? Yeah, yeah. When are you coming over? Uh, I, I don't know. I have to talk to the missus about it, but, you know, clearly if December 7th is Hanukkah. Oh, can she still hear me? I don't think she can. I, I don't think Doc even has his headphones on at this point. Uh, don't let her leave. Don't let her leave. I want to know how to pronounce Happy Holidays. Do not let her leave. I want to know how to pronounce Happy Holidays. How do you pronounce Happy Holidays in Hebrew? Hugs Samea. Hogs Samea. Hogs Samea. Hogs Samea. Hog singular. Hog. Hog Close enough. I'm trying. Okay. Hog Samea. Samea. That's either how to say happy holidays or that's the next NXT champion. I don't know which. Could be either. Uh, comfort. I, I make a, a chicken ragu bianco, which I describe as a chicken pot pie, but instead of the crust, it's pasta, and it's amazing. What is your comfort homemade meal that either you make or the missus makes? <laughs> That's a hard question. Uh, I. Um, when I think comfort meal, I think like I may be like ill or not feeling that well. And like my go-to for something like that would be like tomato soup and a grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. That is definitively comfort food. Okay. I'll, that I'll is definitively that. comfort. Food. It's nothing special, uh, but you know, most memorable Halloween you've ever had. I remember in high school had uh, <laughs> a friend of a friend. Oh, Doc's got an answer. Nah. Nah. <laughs> He's got a memory. Uh-huh. You don't get to know what it is. No. That's what this no. is. No, you know. Um, it, a friend of mine had a party in, you know, she had a barn. She lived on a farm and she had a barn that had kind of like a furnished second floor. And so she had a party up there and I remember doing like a vampire thing. So I had dyed my goatee and my hair black and i had done kind of like a white face paint and i remember somebody i don't remember who it is which is kind of embarrassing um but she was of the female persuasion like sitting on my lap for part of the party and i had that feeling like this must be what it's no i'm a gentleman uh this is what it must be like to be a grown-up to be able to go to a party in which there's like there was not alcohol served it was just you know, like sodas and chips, and and then somebody sits on your lap, and it's like, wow, this is great. Yeah, day. that's what adults do every day. <laughs> uh, can, is there a Halloween memory that you can share? Uh, when I was a kid, uh, and I was dressed in that Ghostbusters costume I talked about earlier, yes. I believe I also went to like a Halloween party. That was in the gymnasium of our school. So like all my friends were there and there was like bobbing for apples and stuff. And I think like for every reason, parents had to go as well. So like parents were milling around and all that. And so that was a good time. And the thing I also remember is um, at this time, for whatever reason, because I think I was probably like in elementary school when this happened. um, 
But yeah, the high schoolers who took like tech or shop class, they, as there must have been their semester project, built a haunted house. That's and cool. so I remember going through like this haunted house, which went through basically like the cafeteria, like in the back, like the kitchen area that was like sort of snaked all through there. And there was a haunt, you know, there were people in costumes popping mm-hmm. out and, you know, skeletons dangling and stuff. I remember going through there with my dad. And of course, I had my Ghostbusters proton pack <laughs> out. And yeah, I had a great time. That might be where my love of haunts, you know, originally came from. Maybe. Uh, if people join the Patreon, will you post on Patreon the actual story? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, okay. no, no. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if this was a, you know, DDT after dark type thing. Oh, it is. is. Oh, it is. Okay. I've got a lot of those stories. At least one of us does. <laughs> My piece of positivity this week are Five Nights at Freddy's on Friday. Yeah. And Spider-Man 2, great game so far. P.S. I do enjoy hearing you guys talk about your jobs and hearing Doc talk about teaching and other stuff that is way too complicated for my tiny brain. Oh, come on. You fall. Have a great one, you two. Your bestie, Nate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Five Nights at Freddy's as well. I don't know if I'm going to make it there on Friday, but I'm planning to hopefully drag Mrs. Manson to go because I do want to see it, so... All right. I don't think it's necessarily going to be good, but I do want to see it. I think it's going to be a fun event picture. uh, And hopefully I can see it with a decently sized audience. I am excited for this next email, not just because it's the bestest of all besties, Glenn, um, but because he teased in the bestie chat telling us what it was. Last week, we asked, he sent some cookie review, biscuit review. And I, we sent a message to our UK besties. Please let us know what American cookies are sold in UK megamarts. And Glenn, bestest that he is, answered the call. So our final email is titled Cookie Joy. Hi, guys. Here's the list of American cookies available in my store. Chips Ahoy Candy Blast. Oreos. Regular. Oreos Double Stuff, Maryland Chocolate Chip Cookies. The hell is that? Yeah, that's not sold here. Good Day Cashew (laughs) Cookies, also not sold here. Uh, Chocolate Fudge Brownie Cookie, although it sounds good, but I don't know even what brand that is, so Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like a thing. Plus various other types of chocolate chip cookie and occasionally other Oreo varieties. Good eating, everyone, and happy Halloween. Glenn Double N with a period. So Chips Ahoy Maryland. Candy Blast, that's Chips Ahoy with their off-brand M&Ms, right? Because that, that is sold here, I think. Correct. Yeah, and the Oreos are sold here. But those sound like the only ones that are actual American cookies. Now it makes me yeah. wonder, in my you know section of the store where there are the British cookies, are they actual British cookies? I've seen the digestives, which I know are real, and hobnobs and things yeah. like that. But I have to imagine they've got some things on that shelf that maybe don't really exist. I don't know. I am looking at the Maryland chocolate chip cookie wrappers. Yeah, I've never seen that I've in my life. I've never seen these before. No, in my not at all. Never, never heard of them. No. The national favorite cookie with a U. Uh, that's not American. Well, thank you to Glenn Double N and Nate and Banks and Danielle and Mrs. Manson. 
uh, for your wonderful emails. We always appreciate you taking the time to be part of our show. Doc Manson, I think I know what we're going to talk about, but what is your piece of positivity as we head into this pre-Halloween weekend? Well, Halloween is coming up, and with it, your annual dose of the Sound Scary Halloween Spooktacular. Ooh. It's going to be a big show this year. I think we might be approaching two and a half hours, maybe longer. I don't know. We'll see how it comes out in the final edit. But it was a lot of good things to listen to. We've got our annual um, Halloween song segment where I have five and GQ has brought five to share with you for your Halloween jukeboxes. We've got ourselves a, uh, dare I say it out loud here? Yes, we have a pumpkin spice product taste test with so many different types of pumpkin spice things that I couldn't believe uh, everything that GQ just kept bringing out of those bags. It was are you officially done with pumpkin spice now? Uh, Did it ruin it like we ruined Oreos for you? No, because there was enough variety. And in fact, after that taste test, I actually bought one or possibly two of the products. Um, so I would have a bag this season. So not completely. Definitely not completely. Although I think my tongue just felt fuzzy with all the sweetness for probably about three days afterwards. Sure. Um, and we also... This last weekend, we're able to get together to go was, see. Yes, that's what I thought we were getting. The Exorcist Believer. And? And before I saw this movie, I said, this movie is going to be terrible. And after seeing this movie, I can say, that movie was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you can look forward to me ranting and raving about it for at least a half an hour. I'm yes. 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 Sounds scary. Halloween spooktacular. Uh, All right. You should probably I see that excited. dropping on Monday in place Excellent. of our regular biweekly episode. Sure. And um, yeah. I heard some squealing Excellent. from downstairs. Something has happened to Lenny. Perhaps he was okay. stepped on. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Uh, well, I will be quick then with my uh, piece of positivity in case you are called away again to perform more surgery or something. Um, as I alluded to earlier in the episode, uh, I have been, I, I was doing multiple quests all at once with my wrestling watching. I was watching some stuff from like 84 and I was watching, I was trying to get into WCW in the late 80s. And then, and I decided, you know what? I, Let's let's just really focus on 1985, because in 1985, I'm, I'm you know, in the beginning of the year, we have the build to the very first WrestleMania. Um, we have the Mid-South Territory firing on all cylinders. Magnum T.A. has just made it to the Mid-Atlantic Territory, which is where Ric Flair is based and Dusty Rhodes is based. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening. I, I have I, and I will. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no I'm, I'm not cutting you off. You go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Gonna, no, I'm going to chime in with a second piece of positivity after. Okay. You, you continue. Okay. I thought you were going to inquire about my piece of positivity, but if you're just. No, I was just going to railroad you going. because. Okay. Yeah, but I'll, I'll get into that. You know, I love it when you railroad yeah, I, me. You love it so much. Uh, I'm going to be respectful. <laughs> thank you. Um. So what I will say yes. is. 
I I usually when I watch WrestleMania one, I skip the main event, which is Piper and Orndorff versus Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, because I I just didn't care. And I'm not a Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, But I will say now that I'm watching the build. I'm interested. And I just watched what is called the war to settle the score, which is Piper and Hogan wrestling for the title at Madison Square Garden, which was which probably should have been what the main event was. But regardless, um, and, you know, Roddy Piper was famous in saying that people didn't watch WrestleMania one to watch Hulk Hogan win. They watched to watch Roddy Piper get beat up and lose. And I'll tell you, that is absolutely correct, because Roddy Piper is the star of this feud. It is Roddy Piper versus Cindy Lauper and her producer and Captain Lou. And I, I submit that at this point, I haven't gotten the whole way there yet, but at this point, you could plug in any other white meat babyface, like Dusty Rhodes would have totally worked in this situation. You could have had kind of maybe Ric Flair, if Ric Flair was a babyface in there. You could have put like Hulk Hogan is there, and I'm sure it's helpful, but he is not the most important person in this story by far. Mm. Uh, but it is entertaining. So I'm enjoying my 1985. Uh, the great theme 80s wrestling show theme music is fantastic. Uh, Tuesday Night Titans is hilarious watching Vince McMahon and ugly suits try to be Johnny Carson. <laughs> so what is your second piece of positivity? I appreciate you letting me finish. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sorry. I'm a terrible person. Um, You're not. But, you're a wonderful person. I, I just... I uh, we were we were just talking about our emails and long time ago I had set up um you know an email address for the Sound Scary podcast and one for the Horrid podcast and all that and I just happened to glance down and I saw oh there's a there's a notification uh, in the Horrid folder there's a there's an email in the Horrid address and so I just opened that folder and I looked it up oh it's nothing that exciting you're your Instagram account has a new follower. Okay. Well, whatever. I'll click on that and just to look at it briefly. And the Horrid Podcast is now being followed by Chris La Martina, which is not a name that I would expect any of you to know. Um, however, I may have espoused on this show previously, and certainly I've done it on the Sound Scary Podcast, um, a movie that I watched probably a couple of years ago called the WNUF Halloween Special, which was this... Um, again, this sort of made up to look like an old television broadcast of like a new show going into a supposedly haunted house, so, you know, broadcast on Halloween night. It's got a bunch of like fake commercials in it and all of that. And this year, I actually got my hands on and watched uh, the sort of spiritual sequel to that film. Um, the, oh, geez, what's the name of that one? The Out There um, Halloween Mega Tape, um, which I enjoyed quite as well. Uh, Chris LaMartina is the writer and director of those films. And hey. he just randomly is now following the Horrid Podcast Instagram account, which I think is really, really cool and made me grin like a stupid kid because I enjoy Season his work. Season two. Season two. Yeah. Season two. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that is excellent. Anyway, uh, As far as I know, no famous people listen to the joy of booking, but I also don't have any social media. Oh, I have no evidence that he's listening to Horrid. He just followed the account. So, still, <laughs> I, I I used to be followed by Callisto. That was my claim to fame. There you go. 
Uh, thank you for joining us on this fun-filled pre-Halloween episode in which we learned that Tommy Dreamer ate Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Doc Manson, anything else you'd like to say before we head out into that good night? Well, if you like the idea of that's around the air, uh, give us another thing of the He is Doc Manson at Doc Manson. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Have yourselves a fantastic evening until we meet again, my friends. Won't you be our bestie? No, really, give us money. Patreon.com forward slash DDT Wrestling. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ending this episode without plug.